0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Havid Kahl, and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship, and building in public. This episode is called What Founders Can Learn from Professional World of Warcraft Gamers. First, a word from our sponsor. Acquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace and is simply the most efficient way to sell your startup when you're ready to make your next move. And as a Bootstrap Founder myself, I can only tell you that you will invariably run into a time when you may think about selling your business. It could be in the beginning. It could be like when you're done with it. It really doesn't matter. Whether it's new opportunities knocking at the door or another passion project taking off for you or just having some life changes, you will think about this. And in the case of Christopher Tung, he was the founder for Reporty, and that was a Shopify app that sends various order notifications to Slack, What led him to decide to sell his app was a life change in the form of having a new baby boy. And when it came to selling his app, other platforms that he looked into didn't really have great visibility for micro SaaS businesses like his. There's a lot of platforms out there that only focus on these super, super expensive businesses, the super high MRR ones, but they're severely lacking for the smaller ones that have not reached millions of annual recurring revenue, but are still super viable. And MicroAcquire was different and offered a diverse range of buyers with an appetite for startups like Reporty. And after listing on MicroAcquire, he fielded up to 40 buyer offers and ultimately found the right buyer for a five-figure exit at a five x ARR multiple. And that is quite severe. That's a lot of money. And if you think about selling your startup like Chris and don't fit the exact build to list on other marketplaces, MicroAcquire could be the best option for you And the buyer community there that they have cultivated has an appetite for smaller apps and micro SaaS businesses as well as those bigger e-commerce and SaaS startups doing millions in revenue. But you don't have to be there. Small is fine too. And having helped hundreds of startups getting acquired and having facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume, MicroAcquire is still just getting started. You should honestly follow them on Twitter. Not just only do they have a funny Twitter account, with a lot of knowledge. And Andrew Gazdecki, the founder of MicroAcquire himself, is a great person in our community. But they share those deals and what's happening, who's selling, and how much they're selling for. That is really interesting. So check out MicroAcquire if you're thinking about testing the market at microacquire.com, and you'll find something really cool there. I I promise that because, you know, it's a, it's a really, really solid platform. And now let's get started talking about World of Warcraft. If you want to see tenacity at work, Just watch professional gamers racing to be the first to kill the latest dungeon boss in World of Warcraft. Every time Activision Blizzard, the makers of the game, releases new dungeon content for this game, the world's best guilds join the race to world first. That's what it's called, race to world first. And they grind through days, sometimes weeks of trying to overcome the extremely hard challenges that the game puts in their way before they can claim the illustrious title of best World of Warcraft guild in the world. And the path to that title is one of setbacks, attrition, and failure. It's a journey of making minor tweaks over time, overcoming new challenges every day, and failing a lot. For one particular enemy, in this year's new dungeon, one guild had to try 358 times to defeat it. And they did that in public. They they did that on Twitch, and people could watch. It was really nice. And operating in a field where no rulebook exists just yet, that's what this is you're making up the rules as you go, and you're failing hundreds of times, and every day is constant adaptation, does it remind you of something? Or it certainly sounds like professional rating and gaming has a lot of overlap with entrepreneurship. And I want to highlight a few things that we can learn as founders from those elite gamers regarding mindset, method, and process. And this episode today might get a bit nerdy, as I used to dabble in professional World of Warcraft rating myself back in 2007, the time around that, but still just watching professionals at their craft is always inspiring and instructional. And even if that craft is Warcraft. So let me just explain the game a little bit and what's happening there for for those people who don't really understand this game in particular, but I'll get into the founder stuff quickly enough. This is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. It has like thousands of people on the same server, everybody playing together and people band together in guilds, teams, I guess, to defeat scripted boss encounters in massive raid dungeons. That's what it's called. These gigantic dungeons with lots of monsters and then these bosses, they're scripted and they, use, they need a lot of players to be defeated. The end game World of Warcraft consists of overcoming a dozen or so wildly different boss fights to procure more effective items that will make future content easier. And every few months new content gets added to the game and new raid dungeons get released on like a twice a year basis. That's what Blizzard does. It releases new story-driven content about twice a year and with that come new dungeons. And whenever such new content comes out usually in an expansion of the base game or just an added content segment, the most skillful players of the most renowned guilds enter the race to world first, where bragging rights about being the first guild to overcome those encounters, those bosses, are up for grabs. Essentially, World of Warcraft is a gigantic flywheel that just keeps on turning from one expansion to another, introducing ever harder challenges on a regular basis. And that, just like the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup, Those kind of moments of super hard challenges attract the attention of game enthusiasts, other players, sponsors, and analysts. So yeah, let's analyze if there's something interesting in there. Today, I will share observations from the admittedly nerdy World of Warcraft and translate their practical core principles into the world of indie business. So sheath your sword of a thousand truths and put on your robe and wizard hat. Let's talk dragons and business. So in this World of Warcraft Raid Dungeon, simple, just amassing a group of people and taking a run at a boss, well, that will quickly cause the group to be defeated. It's not that easy. In gamer terms, that's called a wipe, right? when your groups get get yeah, wiped out. And it might quickly demoralize any casual gamer. After all, you get no items, no loot no, from dying, and the boss is still standing in your way. You have to try again. But experienced raiders don't get frustrated that easily. They go into these fights expecting to die many, many times in the game before seeing the monsters lying defeated at their feet. Professional gamers can teach us a lot about reframing and expectation management. They've played enough to know what needs to be done to succeed eventually, even if it looks like no huge progress is made in the process. They have learned that incrementally failing towards success is a valid path to the finish line. So when you explore a newly released dungeon, When new content comes out for the game. You have a lot of learning to do. And Activision Blizzard designs those dungeon encounters to have multiple phases in which the boss interacts with the players in many different and often surprising ways. And additionally to that, these bosses have a few secret abilities at the difficulty level that professional gamers attempt them at. You can't even research those abilities beforehand. They have to be experienced directly in-game. And learning from mistakes by making them is a core part of the experience for professional gamers. Trial and error are expected, they're valued, and they're used as a foundation for turning challenges into successes. And I mean a lot of trial and error. Just last week, as Raiders struggled through the newly released dungeon, they were expecting to wipe hundreds of times learning the encounters. And it took the first skill to ever kill the fifth out of those 12 bosses was a gigantic mechanical walking spider, not even the final and usually the hardest one, but still fifth out of 12, it took them a solid 358 attempts to finally defeat their foe. These players spent more than three full days failing at attempting to down this boss alone. And that is true dedication. But if you look at it in detail, they didn't just spend these three days. They spent even more time on the boss because here's the secret of professional gamers they come incredibly prepared and they put a lot of resources behind their preparation efforts. I already alluded to the fact that some boss fights can be researched beforehand and that's usually done on a PTR, a public test realm, which is a version of the game that gets released to a select few who help the game designers to test and tune the encounters on a more or less private server before the content gets released to the general public. And the best World of Warcraft guilds have their eyes on ears on those test realms, ensuring that they know exactly what awaits them. And they have designated helpers crunching the numbers and parsing the data and the data patch files that are released to their computers beforehand. A lot of data mining happens whenever new content files are distributed, which often happens like months before the content is released. There are developers who dive into these data files. They extract the, the, the textures and all the objects and they figure out what is coming their way so they can prepare even before the game actually has those monsters for them to actually attempt to defeat. And following the news and trends in your industry by listening to renowned and reliable analysts who do this, who look into the data, who figure out what's going on, can make or break your understanding of where your field is moving. And imagine a guild expecting to fight a fire-breathing dragon, but then being surprised by a hammer swinging ogre. All that fire resistance gear that they collected for months wouldn't help them against being smashed to bits with a hammer. So knowing what beasts you'll be facing matters a lot. And I personally subscribe to several newsletters in the spaces that I work in as a founder, some are community sourced and others come from prolific individuals who share their take on the changing realities of our industries. I know that I can't stay on top of all these developments myself because I don't want to crunch the numbers all the time. I don't want to dig into the data, but I can spare 30 minutes a week to read up on someone else. Who does? So, but but knowing what looms ahead isn't enough, right? It's just knowing that there is going to be an ogre instead of a dragon. Well, that's not going to help you defeat it quickly because in the end, entrepreneurship and gaming is more about doing it than it is about knowing. And that is what slaying dragons is all about, right? Whatever raid guilds know about an upcoming fight gets condensed into a solid pre-fight strategy. That's how it starts. And as with every plan, that plan rarely survives the first contact with the virtual enemy. One skill that makes these professional players stand out from their casual brethren is their capability to report and adapt. And that is incredibly exciting to watch when you watch the Race to World First on Twitch or on YouTube or something, when you dial into them actually doing progress rating like trying to get the boss down a little bit more. With every fight players experience new things and get used to reacting to them better. And after each wipe, the guild quickly comes together and analyzes if new knowledge was created and how they could apply it to their existing strategy. It's super interesting. If you watch these players fight, and there are whole Twitch channels dedicated to this race to world first, so you can see this still. uh, As of today, they still haven't killed the final boss. But um, you'll hear them quickly pass on new information in the middle of the encounter. And this only happens rarely because these players have understood that good comms discipline, shutting up when you don't have anything to say is part of the game. If everybody talks all the time, information is lost and confusion erupts. So you'll only hear these raiders speak when they have something important to say. And that that is important. Raid leaders, usually folks who enjoy herding a very eclectic bundle of cats, other gamers, will channel this information to those who can use it. And as a leader, they also remind players of essential parts of the fights throughout the encounter. If the boss has an ability that they use every 30 seconds, a raid leader usually will inform people a few seconds in advance that it's coming. And these raid leaders are capable communicators who direct real-time information, the important things that other people have to say, into their raids for maximum opportunity. And and that that is a significant part of why they make progress because people only talk when they have to and their leaders communicate the important information throughout their whole organization, which is the raid, which is the team or the guild. And tooling plays a significant role here too. Game development studios like Activision Blizzard, who built games like World of Warcraft, have started to build these things with extensibility in mind. And they allow players to create a new self-programmed add-ons while playing. And over the decades, World of Warcraft has attracted a lot of programmers who build little software programs to make the game more enjoyable interfaces or convenience things, or just th- things to track certain things in game, but you can build anything. And I personally learned how to program in the Lua programming language, which is used for that, just because I wanted to customize my World of Warcraft gaming experience back in the day. And in the professional rating world, custom add-ons, add-ons like this are the magical ingredients. In fact, guilds often employ designated add-on developers in their ranks and like, as actual people on their teams who quickly build add-ons from scratch for new encounters, for new information that they've just figured out. And these developers aren't often particularly good players. But their job isn't to fight the virtual battles. They're the digital blacksmiths and armorers providing their teammates with the tools they need to succeed. Professional gamers use data and digital tooling like this to their best advantage. And that's a pretty solid approach for founders as well. Measuring how much damage your warlocks and hunters do is as important as tracking conversion rates and credit card churn in your business. Questions like what was the last skill the boss used before we wiped can be answered by monitoring and logging every single skill used in the fight. It's pretty much the same as asking at what part of the funnel did the prospect fall off? If you have the data, you will have the information. And the examination isn't just limited to individual fights either. In World of Warcraft, there is a term called theorycrafting, where number savvy gamers spend a lot of time simulating the game or simulating equipment in spreadsheets to make predictions and assessments about optimal ways to equip your character and use their skills. I've seen people actually building complete combat simulators where they simulate the whole fight outside of the game and then just change certain compositions, right? Do we need maybe more healers in our group? Or do we need more damage types? Or should we have more people who fight the boss from right next to it or from a distance? All of this can be simulated. And that is something super exciting because I've seen more and more of this in the world of business as well. There are services out there like Summit who allow for financial modeling for your business and just extrapolating from past data into multiple formula-driven scenarios in the, in the future if you thought making projections in excel was cool you'll be surprised by how, how effective simulation tools like summit can be you can experiment with scenarios without having to actually live through them you can just like put in a couple random numbers where you think okay this is my wh- where the industry might go or this is how many people i want to hire or let's see what's, ha- what's going to happen and even if you're not into simulations Just tracking your sales data in tools like biometrics or ProfitWell allows you insight into your past developments that will be interesting and instructive for your future behaviors. And that is, I, I think, one of the biggest learnings for me from professional gaming is to see how data is used and how important data is. It's not just playing the game. It's understanding the underlying data because data doesn't lie. And that's why it plays such a vital role in the race to world first. If you failed to kill the dragon, something went wrong, right? And it's somewhere in that log file of yours. The reason is somewhere in there. And having the data and the tools to examine it is essential to a good post-fight analysis. And that's what professional raiders do. First, they strategize pre-fight. Then they report and adapt mid-fight. And then they analyze post-fight. Rinse and repeat. And this approach to experimentation turns that 80% wipe into a 72% wipe. And then after that, in the 56% wipe. And then whittling down the boss's health more and more over time. Until it's zero and the fight is finished. And then the next fight begins. That's what the Eraser well, world first is really about. And the boss encounters are designed to be quite diverse and force players to play in many, many different ways. A mage spamming the fireball spell, that might work well against the giant water elemental, but they'll probably fail against the fire demon. Because, you know... Fire really doesn't hurt fire. And in professional raiding, this is very much expected. And players prepare for that in a very interesting way. They create alts, alternative characters. And while someone might be a troll warrior on their main character, they are also encouraged to create a few other characters because sometimes maybe warriors aren't needed. Maybe they need a goblin warlock or an orc priest so that they can participate in fights where no warriors are required. And having alts results in an interesting phenomenon. Players get to experience the roles other than their own, and they develop empathy for their guildmates who play that role and thereby overall improving their understanding of the group dynamics. Because if you're usually playing a warrior who smashes the enemies face to face, but then you also learn how to play a healer who usually stands at a safe distance, well, then you understand that your position matters to the overall fight much more than you may have understood before. In the next battle, you might try to stand in your healer's line of sight so they can keep you out of trouble better, and now you both have an easier time. They have less trouble because they can heal you easier, and you can shield them from harm, and it's a win-win. And this diversification is usually a very good thing in gaming just as much as in business. Gaining specialized knowledge in other fields allows for the transfer of skills and reliably sparks cross-inspiration. And just like a Boss fight needs a tank and healers and damage dealers. At least that's the trifecta that it works in World of Warcraft. So does business need people with different roles. They work together best when they know how the other roles function. And just like you can't kill a raid boss without a dedicated team of healers keeping all the damage dealers alive, you won't be able to create a business without anyone selling the product. As much as technical founders would probably love to claim that it's possible. A diverse team will win. But at least in World of Warcraft, only one team will win the race to World First. So let's talk a bit about competition. A race to World First without a potential worth Second wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't even make sense. Most sports wouldn't make sense as they involve multiple parties if only one party were to play them. But even when you're playing against computer-controlled monsters like in World of Warcraft, having other people to measure your skill against is a critical part of the game. First off, it provides you with the validation that what you're doing is something worth doing. Right? The more people play the game, the better. The more professional guilds can recruit full rosters of hopefuls and the virtual worlds will be more densely populated. There will be more fun in the game and the metagame. The communities outside the game servers will provide more insights and entertainment because a more diverse range of people are just joining conversations, right? Some number crunchers, some enthusiasts, some analysts, you know, and lots of different people. And it's very much the same for entrepreneurs. The more you see people in your industry tackle similar problems, the more you can rest easy knowing that there is something valuable to create there. The faster you find a community of founders, the quicker you'll find support, motivation, and instruction from sharing your journey. Same for gamers. Progress made by one group ultimately helps the others. During the race to world first, you could often see one guild wiping hundreds of times, but publicly refining their strategy to finally defeat the boss. And that strategy that people watch them do would then quickly be adopted by the competing guilds who do better at their own attempts to finish the encounter after that. Now, I know this sounds a bit like plagiarism, and that's where I wanna point out that even though the boss fights happen in public, on Twitch, where people can watch, the strategic conversations and the per-player tactics are usually well-kept secrets. People will eventually figure them out, but professional raiders don't go around and share everything, and neither should you, particularly when you're building a business in public. You're the arbiter of what gets shared and what remains unsaid. You might want to keep your competitors in the dark about your secret sauce, but you can share a lot about yourself, your journey, and your product without compromising your advantages. There are definitely a lot of things that we can learn from professional gamers, but I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the clear and not so obvious differences between gamers and entrepreneurs as well. It starts with the nature of games to begin with. There are finite games and infinite games. Finite games are challenges that can be won and overcome, like a raid boss in a game dungeon. And infinite games are things like business or society, something you can't ever really win, but you can keep playing better and better. And most computer games are very much finite in nature. And even with a constant stream of new content, World of Warcraft is in itself a finite game. Once the race to World First is over, players have either won or lost. Then they wait until the next dungeon is constructed and tested and released and go again. In entrepreneurship, goals aren't as clearly defined and everything is much more open-ended. The challenges that we face in our day-to-day business experience are not tuned by an all-powerful game creator. They result from a complicated mix of consumer choices and competitor moves. So we really never know if we defeated the dragon or if it just flew off to take a nap under a mountain somewhere. Still, I believe that we can learn a lot from professional gamers about tenacity, preparation, and using tools to supplement our existing skills. So maybe spend some time on Twitch next time World of Warcraft releases a new raid dungeon. You'll hear me talk about it because every time it happens, I find something new, something interesting to share with my community. You'll be inspired by these esports athletes who love what they do and do what they love so well. Something that every entrepreneur ultimately aspires to. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Butcher Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my book, Zero to Sold, The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course. Find your following there as well. If you want to support me in the of Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.